Good morning. It is uh, always a treat for me whenever I have a ch chance to do this, to be able to see faces. And a lot of times I sit more toward the back, so I know the backs of your heads very well. Uh, but it's uh, fun to be able to, to see the faces. It's so good to be with you. Also, I want to just acknowledge the worship team. I mean, there are so many people that do so many things to serve at Salem, but really appreciate that. It's, uh, they led a couple of my favorite songs this morning, so extra, extra blessing. So, uh, but anyway, it is my privilege to be with you this morning to try to share a few words from God's Word. And uh, one of the things that always intrigues me is that when Seth contacts me and asks me if I might be willing to do this, I always wonder why he picked this particular Sunday or this particular passage. Uh, you know, because he doesn't do anything by accident. So he goes, well, how about if you do this on this day? And so then I went and opened up the Bible and I saw, oh, the message is going to be about a man with leprosy who is an outcast. And I'm going, I get it. As a Cubs fan, this is too personal for him and he wouldn't be able to make it through there. So glad to be able to step in and... Uh, and work with that. So uh, it, is, it is indeed my privilege to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, we are going to spend some time uh, in Mark, and we'll get there in just a little bit, but the, the passage is about a man with leprosy and his encounter with Jesus. And as we uh, begin, and, and just as a background about that, leprosy today is a, a treatable illness, but certainly back then, uh, was not deemed to be the case. This was something that would totally turn your life into a mess if you were one that would, you know, became infected with leprosy. And so this was, this was huge and this, this was major for this. And so as we began this morning, what I'd like you to do is just put yourself in the shoes, uh, come along with me, and put yourself in the shoes of what it would have been like to be this man. And uh, in acknowledging that, you know, this is somewhat conjecture, but nevertheless, uh, it helps sets the stage for what's about to happen. So as you are growing up uh, in this area, you would have known about leprosy because you would have known about people who came down with leprosy or were infected with leprosy. And so uh, what were some of the things that you would have seen? You know, it could have been a family member or uh, a good friend of yours, or certainly somebody that, that you knew or knew of, particularly in the smaller villages. And as you watched what happened to this person, you realized that, first off, you know, this, this person complained about some sores that were starting to show up and, and causing some pain and, and distraction in their lives. And then, you know, eventually you heard about the fact that the sores had gotten worse, they'd gotten more prevalent, they were causing more damage to the body, and so this disease was growing within them. And then after that, uh, a little bit, you would have heard people beginning to talk about this man and uh, you know, this friend of yours, and they said, well, he's got to be cursed by God uh, for some sin that he's committed, because that was perceived to be 
really the primary cause for leprosy at least, is that it was dealing with some type of, of sin. And so you would have heard people talking in the, in, in the streets and in their homes about that. And then when you looked for him uh, one morning, you would have realized that he didn't live there anymore. And where is he? And someone would have told you, well, he's now living outside of the city. He's been banished. They came to him and said, you, you are no longer fit to live with the rest of us. And you need to live outside. And, and as you went to worship at the temple, you would have remembered that this person also had been shunned from the temple and was not to be there because he was deemed to be unclean. And so as you thought about your friend uh, or perhaps a family member, whoever it was, this person, you, you empathized, even though you didn't have interaction with him, that, man, his life was, was really in a tough, tough place. And he really didn't have any hope uh, because almost in all cases, the people weren't cured of leprosy. And so all that would remain for him was to live outside, to be shunned, to be exiled, and to live out the ravages of that disease. One of the worst things that could happen to somebody, because it had both physical ramifications, but it had all of these other ramifications as well from a culture standpoint, and a family standpoint, a community standpoint. And so, you know, you probably would have grown up if you now back to focus on you, hoping that that never happens to me. And then one morning, as you get up and you're getting dressed, you know that there's a sore on your hand that hadn't been there before. And the thought creeps into your mind about, what is this? And maybe I'll, I'll just ignore it. Maybe it's just a fluke. Uh, and, and so you go on, and then a day or two later, you are getting dressed in the morning and you realize that not only was that sore there, but there were a few more. And you begin to, to wonder, is, is the worst happening to me? As it continues on, maybe you, you tried to kind of hide it up because you didn't want people to know and to treat you any differently. And so you pretended that you would be the only one that would, would know about this. And maybe that worked for a little while but not for long. Because as the disease took a hold of your body, then all of the other things that you'd seen happen to others began to happen in your life. When you walked down the street, you saw people pointing at you and going, and you could hear them whispering and, and talking, and you knew what they were really saying is that, you know, man, what did he do that God would curse them in this way? Uh, Family and others began to keep you at a distance. And, and then uh, you were told that you could no longer come to, the, to worship at the temple uh, because you were deemed to be unclean. And then, uh, and then came the day that the, the people visited and they said, you, you have to leave. You have to go outside. You're not fit to live among us anymore. And so go out outside and not only were you now cut off, in that case, from the community of friends and the temple and others, but in most cases, you know, you would have experienced the shunning even of your own family. 
as they didn't want anything more to do with you. And so now you're sitting outside of this village. There's really no hope. I mean, there's no one that you know of that can help you. Everybody has deserted you. You're in a situation where there likely isn't going to be any healing. But then you hear about Jesus. And so as we open up chapter 1 you know, to verse 40, that we find in the preceding verses that as Jesus began his earthly ministry, his public ministry, that one of the things that he had been doing is going and he had been healing people, he had been casting out demons, he had been preaching the gospel and doing these, these wonderful things. And it said as the word goes on and you know, Jesus had said, well, let's go to some of the nearby villages and, and so I can preach and, and teach and heal there also. And so as you listen, and maybe it's the scuttlebutt of the people coming by as they're leaving the city to go somewhere else, but nevertheless, what you find out and you hear is that Jesus is now in your village. And you begin to wonder, is what I heard about Jesus true? Is he a healer? Is he a restorer? Is he a cleanser? If he is, he can help me. And so we find this man coming to Jesus. And it's significant as you take a look at this that what it says is that he came to Jesus. You know, he took the initiative to do that. Uh, he he did that without waiting, but he came one morning, one day, he would have come in and, and he found Jesus. And let's take a look and learn from what he did. But before we go there, I want to pause and go back to us. You know, this man's life was a mess, without a doubt. But so it is with you and me. There are messes in our lives. They may not be as big as some of the things that he was dealing with, but nevertheless, there are things in our lives, big and small, that really cause things to not be well. You know, maybe for some of us, even here this morning, we're sitting here going, and there's that sin that's entrenched in our lives, and we try to overcome it, and we want to stop doing it, but man, it just won't let us go, and so... You know, year after year after year, I've been dealing with this. Maybe we're coming with this sense of guilt about something that I did a while ago, even a long time ago, but nevertheless, something back there, and, and I'm still burdened with the guilt and the pain and what that caused in somebody's life. And, and, and I, I know that I read in the, in the book about being forgiven, but I just never really felt that, maybe never felt deserving of that. And so I'm hanging on to that. Maybe the mess in our lives has to do with a broken relationship with a loved one, a family member or a close friend, and, and you're just torn because was it something that you did or something that you said that 
now all of a sudden, you, you know, you don't even talk to each other anymore and it, it seems hopeless. Or maybe there's all kinds of other things. There's the reality that you said that, you know, I've really just drifted away. I've drifted away from the church community. I've drifted away from the Bible reading. I've drifted and I've been chasing after all these other things that I thought would make me happy. And I realized that there's nothing there. And, and now my, my life is a mess because that's not going to satisfy me, nor am I doing anything over here as well. Or it might be a physical thing. And Jesus certainly came to heal physically for the people. And he still does that as well. But there are so many other things in our lives that cause us to be the ones that need to come to Jesus. Just like this man with leprosy. And maybe God has brought you this morning to the point that just like him, you realize there is there's no help elsewhere but Jesus. And so as we see in this first part, verse 40, it says that he came to him, he came to Jesus, and he begged him on his knees. He came in a position of humility, acknowledging that, that Jesus is so much greater than him, that he is Lord, that he is King. And, you know, it's appropriate for us to take a look at Jesus as the Savior, as the shepherd, as the caring one. And he is all of those. But it's also important for us to remember that he is the king and the creator and the holy one. And when we come to him, we come with humility before him. And it also, he comes with the knowledge and the understanding by saying what he says next is that if you are willing, Jesus, Meaning that he also acknowledged the sovereignty of Jesus to do or to not do what he was asking him to do. And it's important for us to remember that as well, is that you know, Jesus is not there simply to be giving us anything that we ask for, but Jesus is willing to give us everything that we ask for that is within his will. And sometimes what he will do is say, that's not what's best for you. Sometimes he will say, this is what I, in my broader plan, I need for you simply to endure and to go through. Uh, sometimes he will say simply no. But we also are going to see that he says yes. And so... Uh, this man came with this full understanding of who Jesus is. He was humble. He was submitting. But he also had faith and confidence in Jesus because he goes on to say, are you, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Not you might be able to, if possible, do this. But rather he was confident that if it was within Jesus' sovereign will, there was without a doubt that Jesus had the power to do what nobody else in his life could do, and that was to heal him, to make him clean. What a faith that he had, and what an example for us as we come before Jesus. And so one of the things that we learn from this even first couple of verses that it is good. We can humbly bring our needs to Jesus, confident that he will meet them in his will.
And so, how about you? What is it that you need to bring to Jesus? It might be any one of those things that we talked about. It may be something else. It may be something that others know about. It may be something that only you know about. But what is it that with humility and acknowledgement of who Jesus is that you need to bring because you need healing of a mess that's in your life? Because if Jesus can do it for the man with leprosy, he can do it for you and me as well. And so as we go on, we're now going to take a look at the response of Jesus as we go on to verse 41. And first off, set the picture again. Imagine this man, he's on his knees. There may be others around, we don't know that. But for him, it was just him and Jesus. And he was on his knees. He'd made his request. He's looking up into the face of Jesus expectantly. And it says that Jesus was indignant in the NIV, which is the, the one, the version that I use. But it says indignant. <coughs> Other translations that it might even be more helpful, uh, one of which is from the ESV that said he had pity. Uh, Other translations take that as to say Jesus had compassion. And so it wasn't the case that Jesus was angry or upset with this man, but perhaps he was angry at the pain that sin causes in the world, individually and collectively as groups. But he had pity and he had compassion on him. His heart was breaking for the suffering. And Jesus does that to you for us as well as he looks at our lives and the messes that are there, whether we've caused them or others, however they've happened. And it said that Jesus looks upon us with compassion. And then he reached out his hand and touched the man. Now imagine again if you are this man with leprosy who's bowing at the feet of Jesus and as Jesus reaches out and touches him on the shoulder or on his head, wherever that might be, that he likely felt the human touch for the first time in a long time. Others didn't ever touch somebody with leprosy because they were unclean. But Jesus did. Just imagine how comforting and how warm that must have felt for him to feel the touch of Jesus. And then Jesus follows that by saying, I am willing and be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus has the power and the willingness to heal us and answer our prayers. That's what we can learn and take away from that. Jesus has both the power and the willingness. There were probably people that would have been willing to try to heal with him, but they didn't have the power and the ability to do it. But Jesus did. And so when you take a look at what's going on in your life, and as I look at what's going on in my life and collectively together, there's the reality that there is that Jesus is willing to help us deal with those. And Jesus has the power to do so in a way that no other person ever has or ever will be or can do for you and me. And the healing was there and it was complete and it was the leprosy left him 
And again, just imagining for a minute what it must have been like for this man as he knelt before Jesus and all of a sudden he senses the pain is gone. And maybe pulling back some of the rags and the clothes that he would have had and, and began to look and, man, all those sores are gone. He's been healed. Not only has he been healed, he's been made clean and that's significant because that now presents an opportunity for him to be restored. And so Jesus, as we come to this next section, uh, is going to deal with after that. But again, before we go, have you ever felt that touch of Jesus in the past? Maybe it's, again, not a physical touch, but a spiritual touch of something that he's changed in your life, something that he's healed, he's given you victory over. Whatever it might be, oh, what a joy it is for us to be able to experience that. And that's what happens as we walk with Jesus, as we're a disciple with him. And this man must have been absolutely ecstatic as he experienced that total healing. And so he gets up and, and Jesus says, interestingly, a couple of different things to him in verse 43. The first thing that he says in, in 44 is he gave him a warning said, now, don't go tell anyone, which is kind of strange. We'll come back to that. But go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. God, in his grace, given through Moses when he was laying out the, the law and the provisions for people, that in the event that somebody that had leprosy was healed, that he had a provision for them to be restored. And so what they were to do is to go to the priest. The priest would examine them and acknowledge and certify, if you will, that the leprosy was gone. But that also represented for that individual that they now were welcomed back into the community. And so where they'd had to live outside of the village, they could now move back in. Where they'd been ostracized by friends and family, they now could be welcomed back in to them where they had been forbidden about going and worshiping at the temple. They now were again were welcomed back into the temple. Maybe where they had lost their jobs or their income, the things because of this, they now were welcomed back into those situations. This was huge, life-changing for this. And so we see there's a man that says he began the day with no hope. And now what was being restored for them in him was hope. A hope for the future where before dealing with all of the challenges that were there, he was really left without hope of anything changing. And now with the restoration that Jesus had brought, he was again welcome to come back and have a hope for the future. Now it's important to acknowledge again that the priest could certify that he had been clean. The priest did not have the power to cleanse him. Only Jesus did. And so that was one of the things he encouraged him to do because he wanted him to be able to come back into the community. And so it is that when God deals, when Jesus deals with some of these messes that are in our lives, it also presents an opportunity to have hope for the future and to be restored. And it's an opportunity to sometimes to have restored relationships with somebody else. It's an opportunity to have a more rich time as you spend time in cave and table with your people uh, in groups and to be able to enjoy that fellowship. 
It's an opportunity to be perhaps even different at church, and it's an opportunity maybe to come back to church and to have the connections that are there. But most importantly, it's an opportunity to have a restored relationship with Jesus, a closeness and a fellowship with him. And all of that was there because Jesus was compassionate to heal him. Now, the other thing that he said was don't go tell anybody. And when I read that, I said, that doesn't make any sense. We're called to go witness to everybody. And other places in the Bible, it certainly talks about the importance of doing that. So why would Jesus say that? Well, it goes on to say in the, in the balance of those verses that the reason Jesus was giving the instructions was that early in his ministry, he had to do everything he could to avoid the situations, either of premature opposition from the authorities, whether they're religious or the, or the civil authorities, or uh, equally so, there was this risk that people were coming to him wanting to make him this earthly king and do it by force. And he had ministry to do and other things to do, and of course he needed to go to the cross. And so he was, was keeping that under control and so that's why he'd instructed this man not to do that. And unfortunately, he didn't obey. And because of that, it said Jesus could not do some of the things that he would have otherwise done. And so what's to be learned from you and from me about this is that we need to be discerning about who it is that we share about how Jesus is working in our lives. Now, for the most part, if you're like me, I need to share more. I don't share enough. But there may be other times that when God has healed something, a messiness in your life, a sin in your life, or a broken relationship or whatever, that what we need to feel from the Spirit is say, this is not the time to go share that with the unbelieving co-worker. Or this may not be the time to share that with the neighbor because God's working something bigger in practice and maybe... The, you will, but maybe not this time. There's other times that we're to call to be bold with the gospel and to be bold with our personal testimony. But it takes discernment. We can receive that from the Holy Spirit as we pray and ask for that. But the man left with hope. You know, Jesus restores hope. Jesus cleanses the messiness in our lives. And so, as you and I sit here this morning, where do you need healing? Where's the, the messiness in your life, in my life? It might be something small. It might be something huge. It doesn't matter, but it matters to Jesus. And Jesus is waiting for you to bring that mess to him. Unlike the people around this leprous person, Jesus is not repulsed. Jesus won't turn away. Jesus is waiting for you to humbly come and ask him to be healed. And with delight, he will touch your life and restore you and cleanse you and in doing so, bring restoration to the rest of your life, to your relationships, and all of the other things that are there. And Jesus will restore hope for you. What is it?
in your life that you need to bring to Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for... uh, the way that you worked in this man with leprosy and the example that that sets for us, Jesus, of your compassion, your care, your power to heal whatever it is that is going on in my life and the lives of others that are here with us this morning. And so we pray that you would do that and that you would prompt us to come humbly but also expectantly to you to bring our requests and our needs knowing that we can trust you to heal us, to make us whole, and to give us hope. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen.